Welcome to Tech London, a show featuring interviews with London's top creative entrepreneurs, startups, investors, design agencies, internet marketers, and freelancers that make up the Tech London online community, which mostly lives on the Slack instant messaging platform. We rotate through both hosts and guests for these interviews, so you have the chance to hear from multiple perspectives on London's tech scene. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and ladies and gentlemen. Get so excited with these podcasts nowadays. Um, it's another Tech London podcast. Zoom to techlondon.io and join our Slack channel, which is thousands of uh, London-centered folks in the startup creator economy and hopefully the agency world, because today my guest is Mr. Andy Bargery. Andy, what are you known for and what would you like to be known for? Uh, what am I known for? Probably working in marketing. What would I like to be known for is making a big difference to my local community. Oh, you're so lovely. There, there's some um, working in mar- marketing is like that's like that's like Ronaldo saying doing some stuff in football. You know, that's, uh, <laughs> I'm delighted to be compared to Ronaldo. That's very flattering. What, one of one of the and, and other people have said this about you. Like one of the most most consistent and reliable voices in the marketing sphere. So, me and Andy met. You know, we met in a pub in King's Cross, didn't we? In we did long 20, time ago, 2010, 2011, something like that. Something like that, yeah. Something. It was your tag tribe, wasn't it? I can't remember what it was. I remember Julius from Event Stuff was in there, and um, and we did London Bloggers Meet up together, and loads of other antics. And now you do Agency Squared. So, can you say what that is? Because that is very interesting. Yeah, so I ran my own agency for a number of years, and when I decided that wasn't quite the right path for me, I took a step back and founded Agency Squared with the idea to create a space, a community space for people running agencies to help each other, a kind of peer support network. And that evolved a little bit into, we have that kind of peer support network, we provide training and development opportunities for agencies, so we do things like presentation skills and pitching skills courses. And also more recently, I've started to work with brand side marketeers to help them when they're looking to hire an agency, help them to find the right agency to solve their marketing challenge. Because that's um, one of the things I know so many people who, and there's people in the tech London community who are, you know, one or two people, organizations are going to say, and then, trying to start something on your own and particularly a marketing type of agency and we meet a lot of those in our in our co-working world as well and there's i always feel like one half of people don't know how to hire an agency and agencies don't know how to get hired and today if we could focus on what agencies should stop doing and start doing in 2023 because i think i'm gonna go i'm gonna put myself on the limb here and say there's loads of things that were relevant in 2019 in the way you pitch sell work that are just not worth thinking about nowadays is that would be obviously awkward if you disagree with me andy but you know feel free to in which case let me agree with you bernie no i mean the world changed didn't it with the pandemic and the way in which we conduct ourselves is differently so pre-pandemic for example if you're an agency trying to win some business you probably have to turn up to an office somewhere and pitch to your clients or prospective clients. Whereas now a lot of that work might be done online, for example. So it's like a different format, but same structure of trying to win business. 
Um, but yeah, really happy to look at those five things to start or stop doing. I think that's a good way to to approach the conversation. And and you're right, there is a real sea of agencies that don't know how to win business, and lots and lots of client side marketeers that look at the agency landscape and just get lost by it because there are so many agencies. And frankly, so many of them look the same. It's really hard to tell them apart. Can I can I ask one question that um, mm. might upset most of our audience, but always really annoys me? It's when people say we're a full service agency. I always feel like that's something that people say because they think that's what you say. <laughs> Hello, we're a full service agency working with a range of clients. That spe- and we offer a service that's specific to our clients' needs, which is actually like saying nothing. I know I'm being pedantic here, but well, I, you I know, you're, you're, just people. You're covering about three or four of my things to start or stop doing in that one simple sentence. And like you, I really hate that expression, full service agency. And the other one is often you see this, we're an award-winning full service agency. Don't get me started on that. (laughs) And we had a bit of banter about awards, didn't we, on Twitter recently, because, you know, it's ludicrous the amount of awards people pay for. Don't really mean anything. But other things that agencies say that I think make it really difficult for a client-side marketeer to hire them, things like we can be your outsourced marketing department or big agency skill set, small agency price tag, or we're your partners in marketing. These are all the things that agencies say that make them look like a jack-of-all-trades and irrelevant to a client's business, really. What a client-side marketeer is looking for is, certainly at this end of the market, a specialist who can help them to overcome a marketing challenge. And the fact that you say we're a full-service award-winning agency means we're trying to do everything for everybody. And I think the reality is in this day and age, there are very few agencies that can be full-service in the traditional sense of the word, not unless you're an enormous organization covering all the different bases of marketing. So I think that should be stricken from the record, a full service agency. Stop being the jack of all trades this year if you're an agency. So what's what's do we need to ask a question here, Andy, or have you got another one to go to straight away? No, I mean, I think leading off that, you know, let's go, let's go back to the basics. You know, when you're starting out in an agency business, most people start because they've got a passion for that particular service they deliver, whether it's I don't know, graphic design, media relations, SEO, web dev, app development, whatever it is, then they start off offering that service because they love it, but they don't really have a business plan in place. And a business plan doesn't have to be this enormous 50,000 word essay that you might present to a bank manager. It can just be two two or three pages. And just need to spell out some things really quickly, which is, what are we going to do for whom? We how are we going to make money? And built into that has to be a vision. So, what's the impact we're trying to make? How how and why should people go on that journey with us? And that's important for your prospective clients, but also for the team members you're going to hire along the way. That that can I jump on that vision yeah. thing there? That is. So there was a there was a company we were working with, and I I nearly had to like. If I'd been in the room, I would have had a had a little tantrum, jumped across the table, and punched the guy. And because he 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 said the vision and the mission is the marketing department's uh, responsibility. And I went, actually, you know, I think that's a founder's things. Maybe it's the 
you know, the, not even maybe. So the marketing department are going to write it up, but the founders and the management are the people that need to decide where we're going. And if you don't know, if the founders don't know where they're going, no one else on the team, <clears throat> excuse me, no one else on the team knows where they're going either. And so many people, like, including myself, you know, I've I learned a lot um, doing all that story brand stuff um, about vision, vision, vision. And it's so important. It sounds like a real kind of, I don't know we need to go and sit around a campfire and <laughs> hug, but it's so important. Well, I, I'll give you an example. You, you, you and I both know of a certain uh, young man that I hired to join my marketing agency. And one of the reasons why he left was because he said, I don't really understand where you're taking the agency, Andy. I can't understand the, the direction, what am I doing here? And, and at the time I thought, well, why does this 20 something year old really care? Surely he's just here to pick up a paycheck. But the reality was I hadn't really motivated this guy to want to stick around. He didn't know where we were going. So how could I expect him to follow me without that vision? And that's leadership, isn't it? So yeah. I realized at that, that stage that leadership was where I hadn't, didn't have as much strength in my game plan as I thought. And it's that's really right. important. We, we, we were young and naive then, Andy. You I know. think young and naive is good, mate. But now we're a little bit older and probably still a bit naive, but recognize the value in vision. And you're right. It's not just a marketing. We might articulate it in marketing, but it's got to come from, you know, in a startup environment, it's got to come from the founders. Or if you're a more established small business, work together with your senior team or all of your team, if you can, and just define what does that vision look like? Oh, I was listening to, um, again, I always say this. Um, I was listening to a book and it gave, you know, the example of Johnson and Johnson when the, whatever it's called time of hole or something, they took it all off the shelves in the eighties. No, I don't know. Keep, keep oh, going. Oh no. God, geez. Um, so <laughs> I think it, uh, around the end of the seventies, beginning of the eighties, um, someone, someone sabotaged Johnson and Johnson in the U S by putting cyanide in time and hole or something, which was a, a drug for children. Um, and, you know, it, was, it was really serious. Seven people died and Johnson and Johnson took everything off the shelves and just completely, you know, the, the, the CEO, whatever his name was like right out the gate was on TV saying, this is deadly serious. We've taken all this. It cost them a hundred million to take everything off the shelves and correct wow. the problem. And it wasn't their fault. It was, they'd been sabotaged and their stock price dropped like terribly and the guy's like i don't give a care i don't care about the stock price we are dealing with lives and we're dealing with doctors and nurses and trust is so important and their stock price recovered in a year and that jim collins talks about that in his books and just, it's just the example in loads of business books about mm. how to like you know no messing around with your values and mission that's crazy. I haven't heard that example before. So I'm guessing that is that in good to great with Jim, Jim, uh, yeah. Jim Collins. Yeah. So I need to, that's one of those books on my bookshelf I need to read. And it's interesting, isn't it? That trust is a big part of that, their story at Johnson and Johnson. But I think it fits within that vision piece as well is you need to give people a reason to trust you and to follow you and to go in that direction that you've painted in your business plan. What you got next then? Well, off the back of that, I mean, I could carry on with business plan for ages, but that's a really boring subject. So let's not stick there, even though it's super important. But I think starting something is find a position in the marketplace that is unique to you or a, a position that you can defend that is clear for your 
customers what it is you do and what it is that you don't do. So, for example, you might say that we are experts at e-commerce optimization for fashion companies really tells the potential target audience who you are and what you do and the space that you're in. And if we contrast that to we can be your outsourced marketing department, there's no clarity there in terms of what solutions you have um, for which challenges. And I think that's really important, certainly for a small business, a smaller agency, having real definition on who you can help and who you can't help and being brave and saying, actually, we can't help you lot, but we're really good at helping that lot is is a great way to build some expertise, a specialist space for yourself in the market. And of course, when you've got clarity in your positioning, your prospective customers will understand what you can do for them. And, and, and that should give you the platform to be able to put out some interesting, compelling marketing communications that attracts that target audience for you. That is, there's, there's um, so many people I know from different groups of marketing groups have been in. Um, there's like Jammy Digital, I'll put a link in the show notes to their thing. And they they wrote a book called Content, Content Fortress. And part of their recommendation is there is to just not be rude, but like alienate people that aren't in your target market. So you go from like a hundred people walking past your website to 10 people walking past your website who then read everything. And then when the, by the time they get to you, they're like, I, I, I know you're for me. And you know, you know, Marcus Sheridan has this amazing story of, um, he had so much information on his website where he sold fiberglass pools. And he is one of his favorite stories is he went to a sales call once and the couple opened the door. The guy had a, a laptop open with a spreadsheet and asked him one question because he researched the whole thing on the market. It was very specific in it. And, um, and the guy said, sure, I just need to know, is this, you know, can I get this in turquoise or blue? And Marcus is like turquoise, totally. He's like, okay, that's it. You know, how much is the deposit? And he was in the room. It was in their home for like 10 minutes and got a, and sold a $50,000 pool because he was so specific in the information on his website. I always think uh, Marcus Sheridan and the sales lion, as he's now known, is, is, is the kind of poster boy for content marketing in, in a world before everybody else was doing content marketing. So he was able to do it really well and really early, which gave him that kind of leadership position. And so I get yeah. to catch up with him every couple of years. Um, you know, we play golf, go fishing. Yeah, you know, sure you do. Stick. Go shooting as well. So, so I was podcasting with him in um, 2021. And, and every time I ask him, I say, like, how much has that post made? You, you post, there's a post which is how much is a fiberglass swimming pool, which he posted in May 2009. And it was one of his first posts using HubSpot in that, in that time. And in 2020. Did I say 21, 22? Wherever it is. It had made 11 million. He tra- through Using HubSpot, he's traced back $11 million worth of fiberglass swimming pool sales to that post. That's not bad for a blog post, is it? That's not bad for a blog post. <laughs> I'd and take in, that. And in 2013, I used to do a talk at conferences, which was how, much, how one man made £4 million from one blog post, talking about that blog post. So between like that period and that, he's made whatever the difference is not a bad run rate yeah not he's bad. doing well 
<laughs> Do you want another start or a stop? I don't know how many we've got. To. I think we're on three. It's, it's asking two marketeers to count is always a mistake, I think. Yeah. Um, and at number 12. <laughs> we're doing a countdown. It's a bit like top of the pops. Okay, well, listen, let me do another one. Let's do a stop this time. Stop working without a contract, scope of work, and an agreed brief. And if you run an agency for long enough, at some point you're going to have somebody that's not happy. A client won't want to pay their invoice. And if you don't have a really clear set of documentation that says this is what you're paying for and when, it might become very difficult for you to get paid. And I don't care how good you are at the service you deliver. At some point, you will let somebody down or somebody will be unhappy and you'll have to fight to get your invoice paid. And having a really clear contract, which is the rules of the game, basically, a scope of work document that says this is what we're going to do and when, and an agreed brief, which says this is what you've asked me to do, Mr. or Mrs. Client. And of course, the scope of work responds to that. If you have those three pieces in place, it'll be much easier for you to make sure that you get paid. But it's very easy when you're a small agency, freelancer, micro agency, just to get going with some work when the client says, let's crack on and not to worry about the contract and getting it signed. And that's a real mistake. So if and when you get to a point where you have issues getting paid, you really need to have those three pieces of documentation in place. So get that, start getting that in place at the beginning of your engagement with the client. Totally agree. There's, there's, um, and grown up business people talk about, talk about money and they talk about things like that. And there's a load of mental energy that gets wasted um, and you have to protect yourself as well. That's the, in, in that freelance heroes group, which is like 10,000, probably even more now freelancers. There's always every, every six months there's someone in there saying, I built a client for a website. I bought, I, I built a, <laughs> I don't even want to say it. <laughs> I built a 10 page website for my client and their payment terms were 60 days. And I made the website and they still haven't paid. It's like, well, you know, deposit, upfront payment. Like, you know, why did you ever agree to 60 days? Like, oh my God, you know. There's a real I, assumption that, you know, if someone says they pay in 60 days, that's okay. Actually, it's not okay. And then if you say at the start of the conversation, by the way, my payment terms are seven days or 15 days, if you absolutely have to, 30 days, but make sure you've got a big chunk of deposit up front then you've got to have those conversations before you do any work. And I think I heard you say this once, Bernie, in that kind of startup environment is thrash early, get the really difficult conversations out of the way. And let's face it, we're not very good at talking about money. So we need to have that conversation quickly, early doors out the way so we can move on to delivering really great work, whatever our line of business is. So, yeah, <laughs> I haven't been in Freelance Heroes for ages, but there was, I would say, probably once a week, someone saying, I can't get my client to pay me. And, that, you know, there was always that challenge of, did you have the contract in place? Is there an agreed brief and scope of work off the back of it? And if you haven't, it's so much harder to get someone to pay you. I always ask for money up front, and at least a quarter of the people say no. And 
And I always just, and I'm really bad at it. So I just say like, look, can we do the awkward money step? You know, we can't do anything until you paid up front. And then 75% of the people say, sure, send me an invoice, which never would have happened if I hadn't have asked. And the other 25% either like some of them are just never going to do it. And, and nowadays I would rather not have that business than go down a, you know, if someone says, oh, you know, yeah, those are different reasons why people you know, won't, can't do it. But if they say there's a big company, very often big companies like our payment terms are, you know, three years. I'm like, I'm just not doing it. <laughs> and the person I'm talking to, you know, it might be like Jackie from Megacorp. And I say, look, Jackie, you know, that is, I really want to do this, but you know, you're going to sponsor the event for 2000 pounds, spend 10 decades, pay me. And it's just not worth the grief. And they'll either go, I understand, and they will understand because my relationship's with Jackie, not Megacorp, or they'll go, I'll see what I can do. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really tricky, but I don't, I don't, I, in my experience, there's very few people that would deliberately take advantage of you. No, and I think, I think in an agency environment, when you're talking to another marketeer, they will understand your predicament. And if it is for Megacorp, then they will understand, but will have very limited power for, to be able to influence that payment. Particularly if you've already delivered the service, right? You're just going to have to wait. And some of the worst payers we've ever experienced were in the telecom space. You know, we were waiting nine months to be paid. And that's just untenable if you're a small company, particularly if you're taking on staff and you've got a payroll to hit. That's really challenging. So I think you've got to have those difficult conversations and be brave enough to say to Megacorp, like, I'd love to have your brand on our roster, but I'm just not able to be paid in nine months. You know, you need to pay me a certain amount up front and the rest in arrears or whatever your agreement is. Well, the only, I've only used it, I had the guts to use it a couple of times is, um, is say people go, Oh, you know, we can't do that. And so, you know, so how long do you think this will take? To, how long do you think it takes to make a website? And they go, Oh, like, you know, 20 minutes. And I said, Actually, it's not 20 minutes. It's, you know, like four days. And, you know, what's your hourly rate, mate? And they'll go, Oh, well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a 500 pounds an hour person. I know. Well, you know, how much, how much work do you do for 500 pounds an hour that you don't get paid for up front? And they're like, yeah. Oh, well, I see <laughs> what you mean. But I'd like to tell you, I'd like to tell you that I use that every time, but I've only had the guts to say that a couple of times. <laughs> I know you've got to, you've got to be courageous when you're running your own show. You've got to have those difficult conversations. Uh, and but, sometimes if it, if the client says no, then it's not the right client for you. And you've got to have, you've got to have the courage to say, I'm sorry, we can't work together. And I, I had that with the client we were advising once. There was another agency came in and said, listen, we'll do this work, but because you're, it's the first time we've worked with you, you've got to pay half up front. And the client said, no, we, we, I would never do that. How, how rude are you to ask me to pay half up front? What, I think I'm that bad. My reputation is that poor. And the agency just said, Look, I'm really sorry. I just can't work with you. And they left. And that was the end of the conversation. And, and I, re, I respected the agency for that because you know, their risk policy was to take some payment up front. And this, this client wouldn't do it. So one more for the road. Well, okay, one more for the road. Okay, I'm just de debating which one to go with here, whether it's a stop or a start. And I don't know how many we've had stops or starts so far. Uh, but let's go with a start because that's kind of more positive, isn't it? So I wrote a post about this a little while ago, and I think you responded to it. I was talking about my experiences in trying to learn karate, which is quite entertaining for a, a middle-aged, very inflexible bloke 
to try and take on the challenge of karate. Anyway, I joined because my kids did just like you with your kickboxing stuff, Bernie. And I was going to one of the training sessions and you do a lot of repetition in karate where you kind of punch and kick into space to learn the movements and develop the muscle memory and the strength. And the, the sensei, as the instructor's called, said, it doesn't look like you're acting with intent. And I said, what do you mean not acting with intent? And it's kind of like where you're, you're going through the motions, but you're not really fully invested. You're not 100% there. You're not really targeting or trying to punch with maximum effort to, um, in this case, defend yourself and take somebody out. But, but it's the same in business, I think. When you're running a small business, sometimes you're 100% committed. But I've met very few small business owners that don't have that little bit of doubt sometimes going, is this the right thing? Maybe I should go and get a job again. Oh, that agency's hiring. Maybe I should just go and get a job working for them and get a bit more financial security. And I think that's the same as intent in karate is how committed am I to actually really trying to achieve my business goals? And part of that, I think, goes back to having a business plan. So many small agencies and businesses set up without a business plan. And that's because they love doing what it is that they do, whether it's web dev, SEO, et cetera. But they haven't really got a plan for how they're going to go forward and achieve their goals. And I think that's the same with intent. Are you really committed? Are you 100% in on growing an agency business? And I think that's a bit of self-reflection that most agency owners need to need to go through. Do I really want to do this? And, and I had that journey with my agency, Claxon, back, you know, sort of five, six years ago when I looked at it and said, do I really want to carry on doing this? And my goal was to grow my agency to a point where I could sell it to somebody else. And when I looked at what was required to get to a point where I had a saleable asset, I didn't really want to do it. The intent wasn't there. So it would have been really hard for me to have achieved that. And when I look at other agencies in the market that are flying, really doing well, you can see how committed, you can see the intent from the founders and the leadership team in growing their business. And I really admire them for that. And I'm not upset that I didn't have that because I found a different path that for me is great. But I think if you're really committed, you've got to act with intent. You've got to really want to do this because going down that agency road is it's not an easy road. It's a challenging business to make money in. And uh, so having an acting, start acting with intent is my a kind of rallying call for agency owners this year. I, I, I think that is a, oh, it's so important. There's um so many examples of doing something doing something to make a paycheck, which is, you know, important. Um, and then uh, we, we were talking this morning with um, someone about starting a podcast and it's like, what are your first 10 episodes going to be? And they're like, oh, well, you've got a great idea for a podcast, podcast, podcast. Like, so, you know, what are the first 10 episodes? And like, well, I've got, I've got a couple of ideas and you know where this is going. Yeah. Um, and it's like, so you got, and then, then we got to like, you know, about nine episodes it's like can you see yourself doing this for the next five years could you talk about you know iphone apps non-stop for the next five years and and then oh, i don't know well and then they, and they kind of washed out and it was it was <laughs> and again it's almost like the money thing it's like are you really all in on this there's that guy called um do you know dan Meredith? 
you are not sure if I know Dan Meredith. He's got. He's got a. He's one. Of, he's a self-help guy. He built like loads of gym, gym consulting okay. things, and you know, he's like done very, 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 very self-motivated. And in his book called Something Awesome, um, he talks about going balls deep, which is like <laughs> horrific, but charming like, oh, expression, charming <laughs> expression. And but the way he explains it is like, can you? Are, are you? Are you there? And it is. It is, uh, and then he then he has a female version, which is even worse. But um, which I just can't say. But um, so many people in in the startup world, in in everything, they're like flapping around, hoping it will work out. And then when you get that, when you get honed in on that signal, um, it's as you was explaining that, Andy. I was thinking it's taken me five years to work out what to do, and then what I'm doing, I could have actually started five years ago if I just switched the commitment switch on. You know? Yes. Yeah. And I think once you once you commit as well, and you and you focus in one area, it will come across, and people will understand it. And I, I remember this years ago, I was on a holiday in the Cook Islands, and I went out to, on a diving trip, and there was just me and the diving instructor. And he said, "Look, I used to run a pub, but I really love diving, and but nobody took me seriously." So. I decided to change my life. I committed 100% to being a diving instructor. And all of a sudden, the world opened up to him because he was focused. And everybody in that industry knew that he was committed and focused to being a diving instructor. And he traveled the world on the back of the fact that everyone, he could find that connection with everyone else in that industry, in that community. And I think it's the same with marketing as well, is once you really dial into a space, start to build that positioning for yourself and your agency, start to get some traction with the other stakeholders and players in that space, then I think that intent and that commitment will come through and it should support you in, in growing your agency business. So the, I I'm really want to accuse Mark Schaefer of saying this. Um, in When he had that Twitter book out 100 years ago, um, and someone asked him about, oh, how can I, how can I not... The, the, I can't remember the question. It was something like, "How can I not spam?" And he, and he's like, "Just don't spam." But then he goes, it, "The intent of your marketing, if your marketing is there to manipulate someone and trick them into doing something, that's going to smell." <clears throat> yeah. And if your intent is like, "You have some stuff and you need to sell it, and I can help you sell it," and then you're going to sell your stuff to someone who wants to buy it, that's a whole different energy. Um, yeah, I think so. And actually, Mark Schaefer is a good example of someone to follow because he's all in. He's fully committed. And if you look at the the way he markets himself, it's about adding value. It's about giving you guidance and helping you to understand how he can assist you with your challenges. So Mark, Mark Schaefer is a good example of someone that's got intent. He's fully committed. Um, we're going to we're going to end there because um with that Mark Schaefer book, I put we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes. Mark Schaefer's just published a book, or maybe at the end of last year, about community and marketing. And we're in the uh, what a seamless link this is, Andy. Um, <laughs> we're in the Tech London community, and one of the, basically the thread of that book is how important community is to you know communicating and growing your business. And it's the last great. I don't want you to think like you're a marketing community, folks, but like helping each other out in a community and supporting each other is the, is the last great way to buy, to build your business um, in 
2023. It's so, great. And, and I think the same with the peer network of agency owners that I've been creating slowly over the last few years is, you know, if we're there to help each other overcome our challenges and potentially collaborate and work together, then there's no reason why we can't grow and achieve success together. Sitting, sitting around a table with your peers, as, as we have done many times, Andy, is like one of the best things. And I know, like, before I say it, like when, when you get a group of agency owners sat around a table like that together, even if they're doing the same thing, what happens? They all empathize with each other and they all want to help each other. And it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, I know, I get it. So you haven't got enough leads or, oh, right, yeah, I went to that situation with Jenny when she wouldn't do what I asked her to do. And, oh, right, yeah, you weren't sure what was quite the right company structure to set up or you couldn't build your leadership team. And suddenly everyone wants to help each other. And it's not it's not a competitive thing. It's a how do we help each other to grow? And it's really nice to see it, actually. And, and I think if you're in a network of your peers and you can empathize with each other, then there's real strength in that. And, and when you're running an agency or any business and you're the only person, you're in the hot seat, it can be quite a lonely place. So having other people you can turn to in a kind of peer network, in a structured session, whatever it looks like, is, is really powerful. Very important. And there's a there's a podcast which is either coming out before or after this um, with Tracy Childers, and he talks about being an entrepreneur and isolation and how you know, if you if you choose isolation, um, you get the exact opposite of what Andy just said. So, Andy, where can we find you on on the interwebs? I'm easily found on LinkedIn, Andy Bargery, or you can find me at agencysquared.co.uk if you google me you might find a rally driver that's not me although i wish it was um, but otherwise there aren't too many andy bar juries around so hopefully i'm easily found that's cool and make sure you check out andy's podcast which is a different agency owner or agency advisor every week um that's right showing their showing their their war <laughs> their war score oh, i can't even say it can i plug Passing it bernie school. Can I plug it? You're going to plug it better than me. Can I? Okay. Well, the podcast is called Through the Line, and it is people that have been around the block in the agency world sharing their experiences and their stories around how to be successful in agency. And we occasionally drift into topics around marketing as well. And the next show to come out is all about anthropology and ethnography. So really understanding your target audience, how you can use that information or that understanding to create great marketing campaigns. Um, so hopefully it's of a, a value to anybody working in the agency or marketing space. That that immediately made it sound much more sophisticated <laughs> than my podcast. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, go to techlondon.io and join the Slack community and join in the conversations there. There's a special podcast channel in there that um, we publish this into and um, feel free to comment or ask questions after that. And be careful out there. It is a jungle. You've been listening to The Tech London Show. If you're interested in joining the community or even making an appearance on this show, make sure you join our Slack group over at techlondon.io. Till next time.